You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome, friends. This is the Yoga Magic Podcast. I'm Ashley, your host. I'm so glad you're here. It's a little solo ep today. I try to do these uh, once a month just to kind of drop in, answer your questions about cosmic self-care, share learnings that I'm having. So thanks for listening to me talking to this microphone for however many minutes. I appreciate it. (laughs) So I got a a lot of really good questions this month all over the board. I'm going to answer a few of them and keep them coming because it gives me just things to think about, ways to help serve you as an audience, help my clients, help us get really specific on cosmic self-care. If you're new to what I'm talking about, cosmic self-care, I like to use astrology to help navigate self-care, how to pick the best practices for you. Because if you know anything about astrology, it brings so much validation into who you are. When you learn about your birth chart, you know, a snapshot of the sky, the minute it, you were born, you can learn so much about who you are, where you shine, where your challenges are, and you can you can bring practices into your life. You can apply what's in your chart into your routines and your rituals through self-care, and that's, that's what we do. So if you're interested in learning more about how I use self-care and astrology together, I will link up a specific solo episode I did on this topic diving into the three placements that I look at, the sun, the moon, and Mars, and then sometimes to pull in some other areas. But those are the three big ones. I'll link that episode in the show notes if you want to go back and check it out. But yeah, lots of good questions, everybody. Um, Let's start with the first. First question, some energy, how do I get some energy filling practices for introverts? I love this question um, because there's a lot of paths that you could go down to navigate how to nurture an introvert um, and how to fill up, like fill up that cup. And my initial thought is to look at the moon. And the reason being your moon sign in your chart is where you feel the safest. It's your subconscious. It's what's happening, you know, behind the curtain. So there's a lot, a lot of our well-being is wrapped up in our moon sign, in our emotional well-being. And we don't always know that. We don't always know what it is because it's not of the conscious mind. Um, But we do know that when we feel that essence, we feel safe because, again, this moon energy is where you feel the safest. So um, if you are an introvert or you're an extrovert, but really if you're somebody who wants more energy, wants to go inward to understand how to function in more of that conscious state, your moon sign is going to be a great place to look. So look and see what um, sign your moon is in. For example, my moon is in Capricorn. Capricorn is, it feels safest 
when there's um, some some to-dos, when there's work to be done. It feels safest when someone needs me to do a job, needs me to be successful. When I'm successful, I feel safe, I feel strong, I feel proud. So knowing that about myself can help me navigate how to nurture um, my well-being, nurture my emotional landscape, and fill up the energy in my cup so that when I go out into the world and I function more in my sun, my sun sign, my cancer sign, I'm, I'm really in a solid place. So what I would do for a Capricorn moon um, is, is create some degree of learning, right? Of learning new things, of like being able to, I can't like, it's almost like that, like to do energy, like accomplishing goals while still feeling that opportunity to rest because your moon again is like downtime. Another great thing for introverts, right? Is that you want that downtime. You want that alone time, that rest so that when you go back out with others, you're feeling rejuvenated. So the flavor of this moon in Capricorn would be um, that there there is a sense of accomplishment as a part of my rest. So like reading or watching a documentary or doing some self-study work and, you know, whether that be through hypnosis or meditation and like pulling out some like, okay, I'm working, I'm working on a task here. I am working on myself is a great example of that. Um, looking to your moon, if you're not familiar with how to find your moon, you can pull up your chart on tons of different free websites. I love Chani Nicholas's website and her app called Chani, C-H-A-N-I, and you can just pull out, okay, what sign is my moon in? So again, because an introvert really thrives with that alone time, that recharge time by themselves, knowing how you can feel safe in that alone time, looking at the flavor of your moon is a great way to apply this to your self-care routine. I hope that helps. Um, next question, how does astrology work for twins? I love this. <laughs> I love all these questions. I'm going to say this on everyone, but um, I've talked about this with Meredith, um, my friend Meredith McCowan from Earthling Astrology before with our friend Gina as well. I'm on the Past Lives and the Divine um, podcast once a month with those two gals. And we talk about astrology and self-care. And it's so much fun. It, definitely check it out. Um, and we've asked this question because Gina is a twin. And I was pregnant with twins. And there's just like, I feel like twins are really very much in my sphere. And so it's like, it's a good question. How does astrology work with twins? Well, depending on how close together you're born, you may have the exact same chart. If you're born within a minute or two of each other, yeah, you're probably, you are going to have the same chart because your rising sign changes every four minutes or so. So you may have the same chart. And if that's the case, there are some variations on this. We know that we are all the signs, right? We are made up of all 12 signs. They show up somewhere in the chart. How we play with them totally depends, right? So you may be you're twin A and you really resonate. Your sun is a huge part of your life. So you resonate with that sun energy for the positive and the negative vibration of that sun. Maybe you are twin B and you resonate more with the moon or, you know, your ascendant plays a huge part into your chart. So there, it's the same chart, but the idea is that you kind of share it. You share these different sides of things, um, you share different aspects that come out a little brighter from person to person. 
And again, the likelihood that you have the exact same sign is actually, or chart rather, is actually pretty low because it changes so frequently. So it's likely that your rising is a little different and that makes a big change. It's gonna, it's gonna change like every part of the way you show up in this world. So twin astrology is wild. I'm definitely not an expert on this, but knowing that we are, we are every sign and that there is a a light and a shadow side to every single part of your chart, you get to decide. You have the free will to decide how you embody those particular placements in your chart. And I think that's what makes astrology so translatable to so many people. Twins, twinsies, Geminis, love it. Next question, why is self-care so difficult? (laughs) I mean, this is why I do what I do. It's because it is so flippin' difficult. I have lots of thoughts on this. And my biggest theory and I I know I'm not alone is that we as women as femmes we are so powerful and that the world and society and culture and um, upbringings have told us that when we nurture ourselves like that we're you know being weak or that we aren't you know as successful quote-unquote as we could be and that's actually just a manipulation it's the patriarchy telling you know kind of stifling our power (laughs) okay it's getting deep here but when women step into that divine feminine energy of receiving of existing like we think about I've talked about egg wisdom on here the egg just exists and the sperm magnetizes to the egg and that's you know the magic. This is why we're told to just completely serve other people all the time. It's because when we in fact do serve ourselves, when we take care of ourselves, we're that much more powerful and it scares people. I think it does. I think it scares the patriarchy. It scares those that want power because we are truly magical, magical beings. That's my my woo answer <laughs> without any filter. And the other piece of it is that a lot of us just don't even know where to start when it comes to self-care. And that's why I love to look at the chart, right? I like to look at astrology to get really specific as to what to start with. Um, we're not, this isn't like something you learn in school, you know? You learn math. I don't know, math is great. But these things that like don't really apply to real life, you know? I don't know how to decompress after a really stressful day. I do now, but I didn't learn that in school. I didn't learn how to set boundaries. I didn't know how to chase after my dreams from an energetic space. Like these things are so much bigger than than we can really learn in our upbringing process. And so we just don't know where to start. And that takes some self-study. I think that takes some surrender. It takes some risk-taking. Um, but it's hard because there's so many options. It's hard because we are inundated with marketing of what we're supposed to be doing, right? And so, yeah, I, I love that question because I have answers for you and it's to look at your astrological chart or do a session with me because I love, <laughs> I love talking about how to use the chart for your self-care and get to the nitty gritty of it because we're pretty powerful on the other side. Last question obsessed with the question and I'm so glad that it was asked because I haven't actually talked about this on the show the, uh, the only word that came in was vibrators <laughs> question. um excellent question I think self-pleasure is an amazing form of self-care and just a little history personal history I grew up Catholic 
There was a time, I don't know what grade it was. Maybe it was sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade, where we did sex ed, right? In a Catholic school, sex ed is interesting, to say the least. And there was like, we had these like little booklets. For those of you that are from where I grew up, you probably remember what I'm talking about. Um, There was this booklet and in it was a page on masturbation and self-pleasure. And it was covered up because in this very conservative area that I grew up, the Catholic church has decided that like that's absolutely not okay. That's very taboo. So they covered it up with like a piece of paper. And it was so, so shameful to think about self-pleasure for me as a young person, like growing up, like, oh my gosh, I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't even fathom doing that, especially as a woman, right? Oh, woman, women don't need that. No. And as I've grown older and I've studied spirituality and I've studied the, the divine feminine and the power that we have within us, that has really melted away. And I'm so grateful because it's so key. And I, I don't want, I don't want my children to grow up with that shame around pleasure at all, whether it be with a partner or with yourself. Like there's some real power in finding what, it, what you like and what you want and who you are on your own. Um, maybe to go back to that introvert question, maybe this, <laughs> this is how you recharge. Anyways, um, so love this question because it does really play into self-care. I don't have a lot of experience with a variety of vibrators. If you guys do, please let me know. Um, love that this is of interest because I think, yeah, like more power to you. Um, I've had several friends suggest the Moo More Play has an awesome one. And then also the Magic Wand. Um, That is an awesome option as well. So a bit of a novice in that area, but I just want to like say heck yes, friends, that self-pleasure is 100% self-care. And let's crowdsource some ideas. DM me your favorites. Okay, shifting gears. I just um, was going to take an episode today to chat about my yoga journey. I've gotten a lot of questions about how I decided to become a teacher, um, where I did my training, what it's looked like, this evolution. It's been 10 years now, and it's so much fun to think about. Oh my gosh, can't believe it. Um, So hopefully if you're new on your yoga teacher journey, just know that it can change and shift a lot. And the early days are some of the hardest. It's really hard to start teaching, um, to get the words out of your mouth, to get the fear out of the way. And it gets so much easier. I cannot tell you enough. I was reflecting as I was walking into a class. You know, when I first started teaching, I was so wrapped up in the details. I had to get the playlist perfect and the cueing correct and the themes and like speak to the history, like get everything in there that I would micromanage the class, right? I would just like get every little piece on paper, write it down, practice, practice, practice. Then I would you know, try to execute it and it wouldn't come out perfect. There's just no way to do that. Now I can walk into a classroom. Granted, again, it's been almost 10 years and I can decide, I can feel out the energy of the room. I can look to the stars for a little bit of inspiration and I can come up with a sequence like right then and there. And, and it feels so good because it's so much more intuitive. It's more channeled. Do I recommend that to everybody? No, it usually depends on what, you know, your teaching style is, but it can change and grow and it gets a lot easier. That being said, I still get nervous. Every time I teach a yoga class, I get nervous. I think because I love it. I love it so much. And it's, it was such an impactful shift for me that I wanted to be as impactful for my students as it can possibly be. So love teaching yoga. So when I, uh, when I graduated from college, uh, my first job out of college was 
I've talked about this, I think, on the episode before, but I was a consultant for a sorority. So I was in a sorority in college and I ended up working for them right out of school. What I did was worked with women on leadership and um, self-development, which is amazing because that's what I do now. But what was so interesting about it is that I got to travel all around the country, the U.S. and Canada, and just visit all these different places and see different things. And it was so wild because different parts of the country are very different from where I grew up. Like I grew up in the Midwest. You know, the South is very different. The West Coast is very different. I get to, I didn't get to spend a ton of time on the East Coast, but like every place is so much different. And I found that it to be pretty exhausting to shift gears all the time, to like try to mold myself to these different versions of what these women needed. And I happened to stumble upon a yoga studio when I was in Baltimore visiting, I think it was at Johns Hopkins. And um, I, it was a Bikram studio. And I'd, I'd maybe taken like a couple of yoga classes before, but never really like practiced regularly. And I took a hot yoga class. And I, I came out of that class and I was just weeping. I like, I could not grasp how great I felt and how free I felt and how unstressed de-stressed I felt after kind of a stressful period of time you know and we're doing this interesting work it was amazing and I knew that like I wanted more and more of that so when I moved back home I always talk about my first yo know, first yoga class being the Albert Britney Spears yoga class because that was really like the first class I took when I decided I'm like this is now my journey into yoga so it was a I moved back home after that job and it was an Albert Britney Spears yoga sculpt <laughs> that I took with Core Power Yoga and I loved it so much. There was so much fun. I didn't think, I always thought of yoga as really serious and this was so fun and I needed that at that time in my life. And it was kind of this like gateway into all these other parts of yoga, you know, all the other limbs of yoga, not just the physical practice. So eventually I made my way into a teacher training. Um, I did a yoga sculpt teacher training first, which is more of like a fitness class teacher training it was it was I think 50 hours so it wasn't a like a 200 hour trained teacher yet um started teaching that to like friends and family auditioned with core power um a few times got it eventually and then once I was teaching with core power I did another 200 hour training there what I like you know there's lots of different theories and or I guess opinions would be the right word about where to do your trainings I don't know anything other than where I did my training which was with core power um what I liked about it is that I was ready to teach yoga. When I came out of those trainings, I wasn't perfect, but I knew how to teach a class. I knew how to command a classroom. I knew, I knew how to use the words to put people into certain positions. Did I know a ton about philosophy and even anatomy? Not a ton. And that really was on me to do more research. So I think wherever, you know, if you're in a teacher training program or you're looking for a program right now, just know that every place has their strengths and that there is some study that you'll do outside of that particular training really to honor the full practice that is yoga all of the limbs of yoga because it's not just the physical practice it's not just the asana so after I did my 200 hour um, I told myself I would never teach flow yoga I would always stick to like the fun high energy fitness classes to sculpt and it was so funny because every time I've said something like this like I'm never gonna have kids or like I'm never gonna move to the suburbs I end up doing it (laughs) I I think it's like clearly comes from a place of fear because it's like I'm hiding behind these absolutes. I'm of course I wanted to teach flow. Why didn't I? Why did I do the teacher training at 200 hour if I wasn't going to teach vinyasa yoga? So I eventually made my way into teaching vinyasa and I loved it because I could speak to the nuance 
to the energetics, to the philosophy of yoga in a way that you just really can't in, in a in a fitness class, right? In like a yoga sculpt class. And it helped, it challenged me to learn more about the history and about the philosophy and really honor the roots of yoga in a deep, deep way so that I could speak to my students about it. Um, When I was teaching at that time, I was working full time in the arts. I used to work in arts fundraising and event planning. And it was so funny because I would like be in the art space and always kind of like if I thought about what I'd have to give up, if I had to give up my full-time job or teaching yoga, I like couldn't fathom the thought of giving up yoga. I just knew that like this was something I needed to keep doing. So it started off as a part-time thing and eventually um, I I left that full-time job in the arts and started managing studios for Core Power. And it was so much fun. I loved the freedom. I loved the opportunity to connect with students and with teachers and help them grow. I led a ton of teacher trainings myself. Did just, I've managed a number of studios here around the Twin Cities in my tenure. And it was such a great way to learn about the business of yoga, which when I used to hear those words together, it kind of like irked me a bit like what yoga isn't there's no it feels so you know like corporate-y to think about monetizing on yoga but what I learned is that in order for us to reach people right in order for yoga to spread there has to be some exchange involved how that's done obviously is up to you and and you you can be really rooted in your values to make sure it makes sense but there there is a business of yoga and it can be done in a really sound way and I I felt like I learned a lot about what that looks like in my time in leadership and studio management so I managed with Core Power for four or five years and when um, my daughter Rory was like one I decided that I wanted just that next layer of freedom so that I could spend time with them and stepped away and just went back to teaching and started this business, starting what I'm doing now, which is self-care coaching and doing the Yoga Magic podcast teaching on my own, in addition to teaching part-time with them as well. So to me, this feels like the sweet spot. I've kind of done the, you know, the being in a company, I've taught on my own, I've taught part-time, I've taught full-time. There is always, I feel, I feel like there's always a layer of piecing it together as a yoga teacher just because it's not a lucrative job. It's just not. If you were going into yoga to make a lot of money, I hate to tell you, but it's there's not a lot of money in it. And so today it's like, okay, I know where the consistencies are. I know that I have solid classes that I can show up without doing any work to bring students there and they're there. And then I also have to work and hustle for things on my own, whether I teach yoga classes on my own or I do private work or I do, um, you know, any of any of the coaching work that I do. There's obviously like a marketing piece to that. There's work that I have to do. So having this balance of both feels like the best spot and it's different for everybody. But at the end of the day, I think the thing that will continue to keep me teaching is that I I get to connect with people on an extremely deep way. I get to see them in a way that many, many people don't get to see others on a day-to-day basis. I get to hold space for them. You know, and sometimes people laugh at that, like holding space. What does that mean? That means I get to be there for them while they move through their feelings, while they move through their body. I mean, and the number of times people cry in a yoga class frequently because that's yoga, right? You guys know this as if you're practicing, it's, it's a moving through of emotions and processing. So being able to be strong and confident and available for students on a regular basis 
basis is just, it's my dream. It's what I'm here to do. I am a cancer son. I'm a nurturer and I love it. So if you are new to the yoga teacher journey, I hope that you really evaluate what it is that you want out of it and know that there's a lot of different a lot of different iterations of it. I think when I first started teaching yoga, if I'm being completely honest, I loved the practice. I honored the practice. But that first teacher training, especially in sculpt, I wanted to be seen. I missed that. I was a theater kid um, growing up. I was a, in choir in college. We you were on tour all the time for choir. So like I was used to being in the the limelight, quote unquote. And I, I like being in front of people. I know that's like a weird thing to say, but I do. And so teaching allowed that opportunity to be there and share in front of people. And eventually, you know, that was less of a concern and more now about this like connection piece and being able to help people grow and share this gift that has helped me in such a deep, deep way. So if you are just starting off in your yoga journey or your teacher training journey, let me know. I'd love to know where you're at and how it's feeling, you know, what scares you, what's been going great. And just know that it's a it's a really amazing, amazing career path. It's a really amazing opportunity to grow on an individual level and help others as well. So I honor you for doing this. And let me know if you have any questions that I might be able to answer with many years of experience. I still have my mentors and coaches and peers that I ask questions to all the time. I mean, I think the thing that's really important um, for any teacher, especially a senior teacher, is to remember that you are always a student. There's never going to be a day that you have all the answers. The number of times I get a question from students that I can't answer is frequent. I I don't have all the answers. Even things I probably should know. I just, I, you know, we're not perfect. There's no way. So you're always a student. And it's sometimes, you know, the more you learn, the less you know, right? (laughs) It's like, there's so much out there. So continuing to be a student, continuing to practice yoga as a teacher, that is hard. It is hard because you take up, you know, if I'm going to be teaching right now, I don't know how many teach about like seven classes a week. I don't always have a ton of extra time to practice, but even five, 10, 15, 20 minutes that you can squeeze in makes a really big difference. All right, friends, thanks for tuning in for my solo up today, little share. Again, if you have questions that you want to talk about as it relates to cosmic self-care, self-care in general, or yoga or there's a specific topic you want me to do a solo episode on, let me know. I'm here for you, and I'm so grateful that you're tuning into Yoga Magic every week. If you're not already on the newsletter, friends, make sure to hop on there. In the show notes is a link to download a free cosmic self-care guide for your morning routine based on your sign. So get that, and then you'll hop on our newsletter, and I send those out theoretically every other week with self-care tips, new events, episodes, all the good stuff. So I would love to see you over there. And thanks so much for being here, friends. We'll see you on Thursday.